0: Right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on of Being Established in Righteousness. So this is part four. I'm not sure exactly how many sessions we'll have in the series, but anyway, we wanted to say, uh, we, first of all, we want to let you know that all of our teachings are archived on our website at LighthouseDiscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, channel Lighthouse Discipleship Center, excuse me. And we want to say thank you to all those who partner partnered with us with their, for their tithes and their offerings to allow us to get these messages around the world. We have about 14,000 people watching every week, and so we thank you for that. Uh, like, without anything else being said, we, let's go ahead and jump right into our message this morning. Uh, we've been talking about being established in righteousness, and as I've said, I've every week so far, and I will continue to say, this is our main teaching in our church. So everything that we, we, we teach comes from this premise, comes from this foundation, comes from this, uh, 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 there's really no better word to say that, but the, the foundation of everything we teach. If the foundation is wrong, everything you build on that will have be misconstrued somehow. Okay? So but if the foundation is good, you can build on that foundation. We can talk about any subject as long as the foundation is good. Okay, and so we need to make sure that that is, that is set. So, um, like I've also said every week too, to this series that I teach, main ter- series, I have I break it up into five different segments. Okay, we've already covered the first one, which is basically just a prelude of being a being a step, uh, um, excuse me, uh, being the, the unity of the faith. Okay, but it's a prelude, is it? Is a scatter again approach to talk about everything we're going to be talking about in this series. This one is probably the, the most foundational of this whole series as we're talking about being established in righteousness. And then we have three more segments and we'll get to those uh, down the road. Okay, so this is part four. Uh, this is part two of the second segment. Uh, we didn't quite finish last week and so uh, these first two especially have, have, have a lot of content. So We are not in a race to get done with the series. Every time I I do the series, I I always try to do a very thorough uh, presentation, um, making sure that we're going through the verses, verse by verse, word by word, where necessary, and uh, making sure that we're getting to the material. It's not about how how many weeks or how many sessions we have. It's about understanding the material, being established in righteousness. So let me do a little recap of last week, and then we'll, jump, we'll pick up where we left off last week. So again, we've been talking about being established in righteousness. Uh, this, this segment can also have a subheading, Beholding the Resurrected Life. Um, you know, we t- when we talk about the gospel, the gospel is the, the birth, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. We talk a lot about the cross and rightfully so. Christmas time, we talk a lot about the birth. At Easter time, we usually talk a lot about the resurrection. And the, res- the resurrection solidifies everything. It's, there's a verse that we'll eventually get to but <coughs> in Romans chapter uh, four, 4, verse 25, the last verse of chapter 4, where he was raised for our righteousness. And I'm paraphrasing that verse. Again, okay? So the uh, the resurrection solidifies everything, okay. And so um, we're we beholding, we're seeing. The word beholding means to see with the mind. We're putting our gaze on. We're focused on, here the resurrection life, okay. It's not it's not just a resurrection. We are raised to newness in life. We've been born again to live. We're supposed to be living. And most of us are acting like we're still dead. Most of us are acting like uh, we're waiting till Jesus comes so we can truly live. Now, I'm not saying that that's not part of the, the equation. Okay? Uh, and I'm not saying that we won't truly live when Jesus comes again. But eternal life is knowing Jesus. And we can experience that eternal life now. We can begin. We might not have all the full uh, uh, effects of that because sin is still in the world. And Jesus has to come and whatnot. But we are born again. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And we should be looking at life. We should be holding the resurrected life. We should be living like Jesus accomplished something. We should be living and beholding as if the cross is true. And we can only do that by being established in righteousness. So, um, in this second segment, I have broken it up into a few different uh, sub-sub-bullet uh, points, if you will. <coughs> the first one is just rehashing what the gospel is. Excuse me. I defined it for you as having to do with, uh, it's good news. It's not good advice. It's something that happens. It's not something you need to do. (coughs) Now, do I believe in holiness? Do I believe in righteousness? As far as uh, living rightly or living godly? Yes. Okay. But those are fruits. That's not the root. The root is the resurrected life. The root is Christ in us, the hope of glory. The root is, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The root, the seed, is Jesus, okay? And when you are born again and you have the root right and beholding who you are because of that root, the fruit will come. The fruit will be natural. (coughs) There's only one way to bear fruit, and that is to abide in Him. If there's no fruit, we're not abiding in Him. We're doing it on our own. Okay? And so that's not how it works. Um, that the gospel is good news. It's not bad news, but it's news. It's, It's what Jesus did through the birth, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. Okay? And so it's good news. And the gospel, from Romans 1, 16 to 17, with the King James, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is it's not going to be, it's not can be it's not should be, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believeth to the Jew, first of all, to the Greek for therein, therein what? the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed, the gospel will always reveal righteousness righteousness is a noun, it's not a verb there is a verb form but you can't handle the verb form unless you have the noun form you can't live righteous if you're not righteous. You can't have apples if you if it's not an apple tree. You can't have orange if it's not an orange. Dogs beget dogs, dogs, monkeys beget monkeys, people beget people, and that's how it goes. That's how the world works. That's how God created it. You can't live righteously, a verb, if you are not righteous. And there's only one way to get righteous. And that's the blood of Jesus. That's to believe and receive Jesus. And the gospel of Christ, it's not just any gospel, the good news of Jesus reveals the righteousness of God from faith to faith, For the just are the righteous. Because the word righteous, the word just is the same Greek word The just the righteous lives by faith. We live by our faith in the gospel. We believe Jesus, and we live by faith. And a lot of people argue, well, it's not by faith alone. True, faith is never alone. Faith always has an action. Faith always has a response. Okay? True biblical faith always is never alone. Okay? But we're not saved by faith alone, and we're not saved by grace alone. It's faith in His grace. It's faith in the gospel. And there will be a corresponding action to that faith. What does faith look like? It looks like David buying Goliath. It looks, it looks like Peter walking on the wall. It looks like the centurion saying, Jesus, you just say the word, my, my servant will be healed. Faith has a corresponding action. Faith will walk around the wall seven times, and on the seventh day seven times for so the walking down. Why? Because God said so in that situation. Faith responds to what God says. Faith responds. We hear the gospel what Jesus did. We put faith in what Jesus did. And we experience the power of God. to his salvation. And in that, the righteousness of God is revealed. Okay? How beautiful upon the mountain of the feet of him who brings this good news. Who brings this gospel. Who proclaims peace. As the gospel of peace. Our feet are shod with the gospel of peace. Ephesians 6.15 who brings glad tidings of good things. Kind of echo this good news. Again, who proclaims? We proclaim peace. We proclaim salvation. Salvation in both the Hebrew and Greek means wholeness, healing, prosperity, deliverance. We proclaim salvation to who? To Zion. To Zion. The bride of Christ. The people of God. The church of Jesus Christ. And we say, your, it's personal, your God reigns. Sickness is a reign, God reigns. We proclaim salvation. Fear doesn't reign, No, we proclaim peace. Because God reigns salvation. He's your deliverer. He will make you whole. He will make you well. He will prosper. It doesn't have to do with just finances, but this is good finances. God is our healer. He is our provider. He's our banner. He's our victory. We're born into victory because we are victorious, we're going to live like who we are. Victorious. We're not bound by sin. We are victorious over sin. Okay? We also talked about how, <coughs> and I already spoke towards this, but righteousness is the foundation. It's the foundation of his throne. God has said that Jesus did not just come as a born of a virgin, die, bury, and rose again, that's all true, that's all part of the gospel, but he also ascended, and he's sitting on the throne. God is on the throne, Jesus is at his right hand, and on the foundation of that throne is righteousness and justice. You can't preach about God and his sovereignty, the true definition of sovereignty, not the religious definition of sovereignty. God is the Lord of lords and kings of kings, He is, we worship his majesty. But on on the throne is where the king has dominion. It's called kingdom, king dominion. A king has dominion. The Bible says in Hebrews that his scepter is righteousness. The foundation of that throne is righteousness and justice. Okay, we talked about from Hebrews chapter 5. (laughs) How by now many of us should be teachers, but we still have to have someone teach us the first principles of the oracles of God. One of the first principles that, in other words, oh, yesterday I just meant the first, the first principles are the elementary teachings, the foundation, that we just talked about, excuse me. Teachings, okay? We have anyone who's unskilled in the word of righteousness is, is obeyed. Okay, we'll come back to that in just a minute. I feel like I chopped this up a little bit. See, we're talking about being established in righteousness. And being established, we need to be established in the first principles. The the also known as the elementary principles. What do I mean by elementary? Well, what does the word of God mean by elementary? I didn't write it. Okay? You know, I I talked about how this in in grade school. I learned a lot of elementary in my elementary years. Before I went to junior high, high school, and college, and beyond. Okay? What I learned learned in elementary, I learned how to do basic math. I learned how to read and to write. I learned the alphabet. If I never learned that, I could never have learned what I learned in junior high, in high school, in college. I could never have learned algebra. Still really haven't. I, I, I couldn't have learned Shakespeare. Still really haven't. But I could never have learned those. I could have never learned many other things that I know today if I didn't learn the elementary teachings. The elementary teachings are foundational. Okay? What you learn in your elementary years are crucial. They're foundational. You can't build precept upon precept if you don't have a good, bad, okay? And those who are unskilled in the word of righteousness, they're a babe. So in other words, those who are not trained in right, and are not established in righteousness, they don't have a foundation. They don't have elementary teachings. They don't have the first principles, okay? They're a, a word of God. And they're just a babe. They can't have meat, solid meat, solid food. They still have to have milk and baby food. Why? Because they don't. They're not. Unskilled, they're unskilled in the word of righteousness. We're talking about being established in righteousness. We need to be established. In it. If we don't, we can't build from here. We can't grow from here. We can't mature from here. Okay. There's nothing wrong with being a babe. We all were one. <laughs> you did not pop. You did not come out of your mother's womb a full-grown adult. You had to be a babe. You had to grow. And when you were born again, you did not come. When you were born again, you did not instantaneously know everything. You had to be a disciple. Jesus, Jesus commissioned us to go make disciples of all nations. Okay? But even a disciple, there has to be a gestation. There, there, something has to germinate. Something has to gestate. There has to be a starting point. Okay? And there's nothing wrong with being a obeyed. But there's something wrong with a babe, after many months, many years, and you just haven't grown. You haven't matured. You haven't blossomed. There's no fruit. Okay? You can't <coughs> move on from there. And so we need to be established in the word of righteousness. Okay? we also talk about how all scripture... Oh, let's go. Move over. Um, sorry. I went too fast. We also talked about how God gave some apostles and the five-fold ministry for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Okay, why? There's a colon at the end of verse 12 here. Why? So that we all come to the unity of the faith. That's what we just talked about in great detail during the first two weeks of doing this series. We all come to the end of faith. We all come to the knowledge of the Son of God to a, to a perfect man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is talking about maturity. God gave the fivefold ministry. What's the fivefold ministry? The fivefold ministry is apostles, prophets, evangelists, or missionaries, pastors, and teachers. Why? They all have a different function, but they all have one purpose. To perfect the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or building up of the body of Christ. Why are we doing this? So that we all come to the unity of the faith and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What does that mean? What does that look like? There's another calling. It means that we're no longer being like children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. There's, I love kids, and there's nothing wrong with being a babe. But the problem with being a babe for too long. It's okay, you know, when you're two, three, five, even six, seven, it's okay to act childish. I mean, enjoy those years. You only get to act childish and don't look stupid for, for a, a season of time. But when you get into your teens and, and, and a young adult and older from that, looking childish can look immature. It's okay to look immature when you're immature. But the time when you come of age, and that can be different for everybody, and different cultures might have a different standard on that, okay? But the the issue with children is that they're gullible. Okay? They're gullible. If you, as long as you're not weird, and you're not scary and mean, they'll listen to you. Okay? And they, you can persuade them you can deceive them we're not trying to deceive people but there are those who are and we have an enemy who's out there to, to, to still kill and destroy to deceive us okay children also can't reproduce they have to get have to come of age okay it's going to be hard for children, young christians to evangelize it's not impossible but it's going to be harder until they are skilled in the word of righteousness, that's why I'm going back here. But uh, by now, you should be teachers, but someone needs to teach you. You can't teach others if you're still not establishing the word of righteousness yourself. Okay. <coughs> and, that, and the third thing about children is that um, they are uh, sorry, I had a break. It, uh, they're uh, codependent. It's okay to be codependent when you're two, okay? When you're an infant and you're a toddler, you need someone to change your diaper. You need someone to prepare your food. You need someone to drive the car. You need someone to go work a job and bring money home and bring food home and bring shelter and finances and all that, all that upbringing, okay? But you can't do it when you're a child, okay? And spiritually speaking, it's okay at the very beginning to be codependent on the pastor or whatnot. Now, we don't want that long term, but we also don't want them to be totally cut loose and on their own. Okay? That's why Paul said in Timothy, don't put a novice in ministry. It will destroy them and those who they teach. There's a time to be discipled. There's a time to grow up. There's a time to mature. Okay? And one of the main things is it goes back to being gullible. So we're not tossed by him, here and by every in of doctrine, by the state men of cunning for whereby they lie and deceive. But more importantly, that we grow up into Him Jesus in all things. Okay, that's called maturity. And we can't do this. We can't grow up into Him until we are established in righteousness. Okay, and so. Uh, we also talked about how the word of God, all scriptures are given by inspiration of God as for his powerful for doctrine and righteousness, for reproof and righteousness, for <coughs> correction in righteousness, and instruction in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God, ladies, don't get offended, may be complete and totally equipped for every good work. All scripture. We need to be established in the Word of God. The Word of God. The gospel will reveal the righteousness of God and false scripture will indoctrinate you in righteousness, will reprove you in righteousness, will correct you and instruct you in righteousness. It's your teacher. It's elementary teachings. So how, so now do we need to be skilled in the word of righteousness and established? Well, but how do we get established? We get established by the gospel because it reveals righteousness. We get established by all scripture because it's all possible to to indoctrinate, to train, to instruct, and reprove you into all righteousness so that you are complete and you are equipped for every good work. There's only one way to get complete and there's only one way to get equipped. And that is all scripture training you, instructing you, indoctrinating you, reproving you in righteousness. Okay. From there, we also went on and talked about, and we'll spend a lot more time with this later, but by the deeds of the law, no flesh can be justified. You can't become righteous because you do good things. Okay. Are we supposed to do good things? Yes, that's the fruit. But that doesn't justify you. There's only one thing that justifies you, and that's the blood of Jesus. Well, by the law, is the knowledge of sin. The gospel reveals righteousness, but the, the law reveals sin. Okay? That's how you know what message you're listening to. And on Facebook especially, I hear a lot of law. I hear a lot of preaching on sin, don't do this and don't do that. Do I agree that we shouldn't do this and we shouldn't do that? Yes. But all you're doing is preaching the law. The law can't save you. Jesus can. You need to preach Jesus. You need to preach salvation. You need to preach the gospel that is the power of God to salvation. The law is not the power of God's sal- salvation. The gospel is. And the gospel reveals righteousness. It's... It's his goodness that leads us to repentance, Romans two four. It's not the law that brings us to repentance. It's the gospel. It's the good news. It's good his goodness that brings us to repentance. Okay. And so we're just we're just dealing the sin by preaching against sin. I'm against sin, but that's not how you get free from it. You get free from it from the gospel. You get free from it from righteousness and stop acting like a babe, looking, living like a sinner. That's immaturity. How do you live mature, complete? By being indoctrinated, reproved, child training, child training, corrected and trained in righteousness. So the man and woman of God, the child of God, can be equipped until thoroughly and complete for every good work. Okay? And so, but so the, the, by the deeds of the law, no flesh can be justified. But the law is the right, right there's no such. But now, when's now? Now is right now. Today. Today is the day of salvation. But now, the righteousness of, of, righteous of God, apart from the law, is revealed. The gospel, the righteousness of God, is not revealed by the law. It's revealed apart from the law. Even though it's revealed apart from the law, it is witnessed by the law. And that's where something we lose some people. Because how can it be revealed without the law and be witnessed by the law? The law does testify of the righteousness of God. But it doesn't reveal it. And that's something we're going a lot deeper in another segment of our teaching. Okay, I'm not going to spend more time with that today. Okay, so anyway, this is a key verse. Okay, so I share this now because it behooves us to understand righteousness, to be established in it, so that we can live righteously. Okay, there's something that we're supposed to be doing now, and it's not the law. I'm not against the law. I'm not against the law where it says we should not have any other gods. I'm not against the law where it says that we shouldn't kill and steal and so forth. But you don't become righteous by not doing those things. You become righteous by receiving Jesus. And when you're crucified with Christ, there's no longer you who live in Christ and who lives in you. Jesus who lives in you doesn't have any of the gods. He doesn't, he doesn't kill, steal, etc. We live holy because we are holy. The law can't make you holy. You can do good things till the cows come home, and it's not going to make you righteous. Nobody wants to be the best sinner in hell. There's only one thing that's going to make you righteous, truly righteous, and truly holy, and that is Jesus. And once you become born again, once you become holy and righteous and sanctified by the blood of Jesus, now you live like who you are. You live holy. You live godly. You live godlike. You live like who you are. But many people are trying to live Godly to become Godly. It doesn't work that way. Okay? I can't live like a monkey to become a monkey. There would be only one way I can ever become a monkey. I would have to, my mom and dad would have, both have to be monkeys. Okay? And they're not. And I can't re- reverse that. Okay? Monkeys beget monkeys, dogs beget dogs. Okay? But how do you become born again? You receive Jesus. You become a new creation, Christ Jesus. How does that happen? It's the greatest miracle of all. Okay. And we're gonna get into that. Okay? So So, so the next segment I had, and I started this last week and we didn't finish it, we did cover the first point and I'm going to rehash it again this morning and then we'll cover some new territory, is that when we're about being established in righteousness, we need to learn to behold. We need to learn, learn to see with our minds. We need to see differently. We need to stop focusing on sin. We need to stop focusing on the fact that we're a sinner. And we need to start seeing We need to be whole. And I have three main scriptures for this. The first one we covered last week. But I covered it and I'm going to cover it again with some context. Okay. So this first one is 2 Corinthians 5 14 through 20, uh, verse 21. I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going to read a good portion of it. Again in verse 14, where Paul says, The love of Christ compels us because we Judges, we come to this conclusion that if one died for all, then all died. The love of God in Christ compels us to come to this conclusion that in Christ we all died. Okay? And because that's true, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, and now we know him that's no longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away behold, again I should have highlighted this, that's where the word I'm really trying to emphasize in this this segment right here, is all things have become new. (coughs) We should, as born again believers, we should be beholding that we are a new creation. Everything we do, in living life, in our marriages, in our life, in our workplace, in everything we do with our kids, everything we do at church, everything we do in the world, everything we do from brushing our teeth to combing our hair, everything we do should fall through the lens of we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Okay, And so that should be what we are beholding. That we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old man died. The old man is dead. We're not we don't regard no man after the flesh no more. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Okay? He goes on to say that now all things are God who has reconciled us to, to himself <coughs> through Jesus. God has reconciled us to himself through Jesus. That's called the ministry of reconciliation. Okay? He's also reconciled the whole world to himself. The problem is The whole world hasn't received such reconciliation. Jesus made it possible. Jesus has already done everything that needs to be done for everyone to be saved. The problem is most people have rejected that reconciliation. It's good news. It's too good to be true news. But many people have rejected that news. All they had to do is receive it. They couldn't earn it. They don't deserve it. You and I didn't deserve it. You and I didn't earn it. Okay. You did not save yourself. You and I both deserved hell. And we still do. And we always will. But by his mercy. By his grace. He saved us. Okay. Okay. And so we didn't earn it. as a gift of righteousness. Okay. So, and that's what we call the ministry of reconciliation. God has already reconciled the world to himself, but the world hasn't already received it. That, therefore, we are ambassadors pleading to the world to re- be reconciled to God. And how they, how can they be reconciled? How can they already be reconciled and need to reconcile? Because God has already reconciled sin. How did he do it? He who, and what is the reconciliation? He who knew no sin became sin for us. That we could become the righteousness of God in him. This is the reconciliation that God has already done. Jesus has already became sin. He did that the cross. All the sin of the world, all the sin of the world was imputed on Jesus at the cross. He took everyone's guilt, everyone was guilty. Everyone was, had a death penalty to go to hell. But Jesus took that curse. He took our offense. He took and he paid the price, our death penalty, for all mankind. So that we could be righteous. That's why the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It reveals his righteousness. This is the reconciliation. He's taken the books, he's taken every charge that was against us, and he took it to himself and he paid the bill. And he said, It is finished. And the Father said from heaven, It is done. You know, if someone, if you have a debt, a mortgage, and someone pays the bill for you, you don't need to keep paying the bank. It's finished. It's done. The death of our testator proves that it is finished. And to seal the deal He rose from the grave. He rose for our righteousness. Again, Romans 4.25. I'm getting way ahead of my teaching here. But we need to behold, because all that's true, because Jesus became sin so that I and you can become righteous. You and I need to behold that we are a new creation. The righteous God in Him. We're not not just the righteous God. We are the righteous God in Him. There's over 300 scriptures in the New Testament that talk about in Him. We died. It goes all the way back to verse 14. That if one died, then all died. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. And we are righteous. And we need to behold that. We need to be whole who we are. This word become means to be, if you study it out, it means to be born of. Okay? To be conceived. We are conceived of his righteousness. And we are the righteous God in him. Okay. Now that goes to the new territory. I went a little too long on that, but I' at any point in time that going over it again is just necessary, because this is deep. Okay, this is this is foundational. Okay, so we need to go over that. So anyway, let's go to the new uh, passage of Scripture. The next one is Ephesians chapter 4. And in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, You have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him, and been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. Okay, we're going to go to three more verses in just a second. But before we go there, let me talk about Jesus too. We're talking about being established in righteousness. We're talking about, specifically right now, about beholding. There's something we should be beholding. There's something we should be putting our gaze upon and seeing with the mind. Paul says that you have not so learned. If you study this word, so learned, out in the Greek, it means to be imbued. It means to be permeated. It means to be saturated. There is a truth, where's the word truth? There is a truth that we are to still learn. And this truth is the foundation. This truth is the elementary teachings. This truth reveals the righteousness of God. This truth is the power of God unto salvation. And we need to be so saturated. So permeated, so imbued, so learned this truth. And this truth that we are to so learn is in Jesus. We need to be taught it, we need to be saturated in it, we need to be established in this truth. Are you following me? That's what we're talking about, being established in righteousness. There is a truth that is in Jesus, that we need to so learn. We need to be permeated in it. We need to be saturated in it. We need to be so imbued into this truth, and this truth is Jesus. <coughs> true it's true that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. But, <coughs> and I'm not, excuse me, I'm not trying to take away from that. I'm trying to expound on that, build on that. Not only is Jesus the truth, definite article, the truth, okay? There's nothing more true, there's nothing more truth than Jesus himself. And within Jesus the truth, there is the truth. He is the truth, but he also contains the truth. Are you following me? You can't be the truth and not contain the truth. But there's a truth about Jesus and what he did that we need to so learn. And what is this truth? Well, there's a colon here. You know me and my callings. I like my callings. Okay? The physical one and the gram- gram- grammatical one. Okay? I mean the physical one, the one inside my belly. Colons. Okay? okay. Colons. So he's going to expand on what this truth is that we are to so learn. Because whatever is on the other side of this colon, we need to so learn that truth, because that's, that is the truth that is in Jesus. What he's going to say in the next three verses is the truth that's in Jesus that we are to so learn. Are you following me? We need to so learn what we are about to read because that's the truth that we need to so learn. That and that is the truth that is in Jesus. We need to be established in what we are going about to read. Are you following me? Verse twenty-two. That you put off concerning the former conduct of the old man which goes corrupt according to lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. This is deep. Very deep. So again, there's a truth that we know going to learn. What is this truth? This truth is that we put off the old man, and we put on the new man. Where do we do that? In the spirit of our mind. The word behold means to see with the mind. That's what verse 23 says. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 23, because this is verse 23, it's a short verse, is basically the definition of the word behold. There's a truth that we are the soul learned that's in Jesus. And that we put off the old man and we put on the new man. And where do we we make that exchange? Where do we put off the old man and where do we put on the new man? We do it in our mind. It's called being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Okay? So, when we're talking about putting off the old man and putting on the new man, we make that exchange in our mind. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's where the transformation takes place. And we'll we'll get into that whole transformation in a little while. Okay? Now, why are we putting off the old man? Let's go back. We're putting off the old man because the old man died. We've already come to the conclusion that if one died for all, then all died. And if the old man died, then we need to put the old man off. We're not the old man anymore. He died. He's gone. I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And in the spirit of my mind, we need to put off. If you studied this word put off in the Greek, it means to cut off. It means to circumcise. That's what what circumcision is illustrating. Okay? It's not just being crude and painful and religious. It's signifying what before we take it, you're cutting off the old man. Why? He's dead. He's not the true man. Okay? He's not the new man, which we'll get to in just a second. We're putting him off. And Paul, Colossians, connects circumcision with water baptism. Because water baptism is just illustrating something that already took place. The old man was de- dead, so you bury him. And what comes out of the water is a new man. And true righteousness and holiness. That's what. See, that's why I don't want to baptize until someone's born again. Because it, you're just getting wet. It's just illustrating something that already took place. It's like even in a wedi- wedding. <laughs> the ceremony doesn't make me us man and wife. In our country, it's a piece of paper called a marriage certificate. Other cultures it might be a little different, but politically speaking, from a civil point of view, you need a marriage certificate. Okay, that certifies that. The ceremony is what's memorable and beautiful. The certificate some of them like just kind of cheesy looking, and they look like they're just you know they just a piece of paper. It's an important piece of paper. But it's a certificate. It's a legal document. But that's what really made it. That's why in some countries, and in our country, you can just go down to the courthouse and with the right fees and the right situation, you can actually just get um, married. Actually, in our country, in many states, you can actually just ask a notary to come and they can solidify that the marriage. Okay? You don't even need a ceremony. I like the ceremony because it's more memorable, but it's not the ceremony that made us married. It's it was an outward expression of what was taking place before witnesses that we became one flesh. And so anyway, I need to get off that trim now. Okay, so we need we there's something that we need to so learn that's in Jesus, and as that that we put off the old man, and we put on the new man. We understand the old man because we've been hanging yep. around too long, and many of us are been trying to put on the new man, but we haven't put off the old man. I can never pronounce the word, but we're acting like we're so, so, so... Schizophrenic. Yeah, thank you. Hopefully, you heard my wife pronounce that because I can't, I can't pronounce that word. But two personalities, two like acting like two people. Okay. okay. And so, but we need to put off, we don't We don't just put on Jesus, we put off the old man too. The old man is, is corrupt according to deceitful lies. He's morphed. He just needs to go. Okay? And put on the new man. This new man <coughs> was created according to God a true righteousness and holiness. Both of these words, righteousness and holiness, are nouns, they're not verbs. I believe we need to live holy, and I believe that we need to live righteously. Both verbs. But the the root, the seed, is a man. It's who we are. And righteousness, true true righteousness and holiness is not what you do. True righteousness and holiness is who you put on. And where do you put that on? In the spirit of your do This here, you will vent you in time will act it out. It's called fruit, the fruit of holiness, the fruit of righteousness. You can't have the fruit of either one if you don't have a seed. Okay, it has to germinate, it has to gestate and produce 30, 60, 100. Uh, but we need to put up and where do we do this exchange again? We do it in our minds. We're talking right now, and I'm going to spend more time on this passage of Scripture, but right now we're talking about beholding. We need to behold that we are a new creation. We need to behold excuse me, to behold that we are a new creation. It's up there, but my clicker's not on We need to behold that we are a new creation, our last point that we just made. And we need to behold, see with the mind, that we're no longer the old man. We're, we've so learned that we are now the new man, created according to God in true righteousness and holy. I need to behold, see with my mind, that I am created according to God in true righteousness holy. Because I'm truly righteous and I'm truly holy, there are certain things I don't do anymore. And there are certain things I do do because that's who I am. Know who you are. The third point I want to make this morning is, I'm going to read the ending, or actually in the middle, and then we'll go backwards and we'll read it, and we'll go read before this and we'll read behind it after this verse. But we all, we all, that includes us, all of us, not just me, not just you, we all, with an unveiled face, beholding, there's that word behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is a very deep verse, but we have to understand it. So I have to, that's why I have to go backwards and then go forwards too. But I was reading this verse a few years back, around 2009, was the date, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I was reading this verse and the Lord asked me a question. He said, Dave, when you look into the mirror, who do you see? And I thought about it. I said, well, when I look into the mirror, I see me. Can you get my little I see me. See, a mirror is not a window where you look through something. I know they have trick mirrors and different things like that. But a mirror, for the most part, is not a, 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 a device where you look through. It's a reflective device where you see your own image. So, for example, I have a mirror here. And when I look in the mirror, I don't know about you, but I see myself. When I look in the mirror, I don't see you. I don't see anybody else, and unless that person's behind me, like in a selfie, you know? I don't see them. Because I'm looking at the mirror, and the mirror is a reflective device. Now the Bible says that the Word of God is like a mirror, from the book of James. But I, I said, when I look into the mirror, God asks me a question. When you look in the mirror, I see me. Now, I knew I had to answer the question wrong when God asked me again. the same question. When you look into the mirror, who do you see? Because whoever we look into the mirror is who we're going to be transformed into. And it says, when you look in the, when it, beholding, seeing with the mind, the glory of the Lord, are being, tra- are being transformed into the same image. But if I see me, that's not what it says. I'm supposed to see the glory of God in the mirror. And I can't be seeing the glory of God in the mirror if I'm not beholding I'm a new creation in Christ. And I'm truly righteous and I'm truly holy by the blood of Jesus. If I haven't so learned that. If I'm unskilled in the word of righteousness, then I need someone to teach me again the first principle. Of the oracle of God. Because I haven't learned it yet. I need an eye transplant. I need to see differently. In other words, if I'm not beholding God's glory in the mirror, not only am I not going to see a transformation, my mind is, my face is still there. So It says, we are with an unveiled face. Well, if we have a face that is unveiled, what's a veiled face? Let's go backwards. The context started, and we've already read this over the last few weeks, but in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7, it says, but the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, there's only one ministry that was written on and engraved on stones, and that's the law. Okay, was glorious. So, am I saying the law is not glorious? No, it was glorious. Was past tense, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory. So, the old covenant that was written and engraved on stone was glorious. It was so glorious that they could not look steadily at the face of Moses. That's bright, okay? Of his countenance, which glory was passing away. It's fading. Was past tense. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? So there's two different ministries here. We have the ministry of death, the law, and the ministry of the Spirit. Both are glorious. One's, one's faded away, and one's more glorious. Okay? Verse 9. For the ministry of condemnation had glory. So the ministry of death and the ministry of condemnation are synonymous. Had glory. The ministry of righteousness, that's what we're talking about in this whole series, the ministry of righteousness. And the ministry of righteousness is synonymous with the ministry of the Spirit. So again, if the ministry of condemnation had glory the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. So we're we're never saying that the law, which is the ministry of condemnation and death, didn't have glory. But we are saying that the ministry of the Spirit and the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Okay, It is more glorious. It's exceedingly more. In that context, skipping to verse 14, same context, he says, but their minds were blinded, their minds were blinded, that means we have eyes on our minds, okay, for until this day, the same veil remains, unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, okay, what was he talking about here? Great stone, we're talking about the law, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, Well, covenant, it's called the ministry of death. It's called the ministry of condemnation. Those just warm the titles of your heart, right? When, I mean, who wants to be part of that ministry? Death, condemnation, okay? That just sounds evil, okay? But we're not talking about something evil. We're talking about something that had glory, okay? But he says their minds are blinded. Their minds are blinded. But he says... For until this day, the same bell remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. So when you read the Old Testament, you are at a tendency of blinding your mind because it's the same bell remains today. This is New Covenant. This is Paul talking about Corinthians because the bell is taken away in Christ. There's only one way to remove that bell, and unless you unless you preach in There's only one way to remove that veil, that's by by it's in Christ. And unless Christ is taught, that veil remains. But even to this day, he repeats himself, when Moses, Moses is speaking of the law, okay? When Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Paul's talking about talking here. There's a veil that that blinds our minds and blinds our hearts when we read the law. And there's only one way to remove that veil and that is in Christ. Verse 16. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. (coughs) Now the Lord is spirit and what the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You know, sometimes when I read this, like, what does this happen? This is a great verse. but What does that have to do with this? Because we're talking about The ministry of the Spirit. The ministry of the Spirit is the ministry of righteousness. The blinded, The read The law, The Bell is taken away when they receive the Lord. And when you receive the Lord, you receive the ministry of righteousness, you receive the ministry of the Spirit, and when you have the ministry of righteousness and the ministry of the Spirit, you will experience freedom. There's freedom in righteousness. There's freedom in the, in the Spirit of God. Why? Because you're you're there's a there was a bell over your heart. There was a bell over your mind. And that bell was removed, and you are free. He who the Son sets free shall be free indeed. Okay? Can you follow me so far? This is all prelude to the verse that we just read. <coughs> well, we all with the unveiled face. How did we, how did our face get unveiled? We received Jesus. We received the ministry of righteousness, the ministry of the Spirit. And our, the veil that was over our mind, the veil that was over our heart was removed, taken away and we now have an unveiled face. But now that our face is unveiled, see, when it was veiled, we couldn't see. We were blinded. But now we can see. Now we can behold. See with the mind. As in the mirror. We can see in the mirror. Ma- God's Word is like a mirror. Mirror. God's Word. And when we look in God's Word, as in the mirror, we see... The glory of God. I don't just see the glory of God in the Word of God. I do. But I don't just see the glory of God in the mirror. I'm also looking in the the Word of God in the mirror. So when I'm reading the Word of God, I'm seeing me. And when I read the Word of God, because i received Jesus, and I've seen me, I've seen the glory of God. Why am I seeing the glory of God when I read the Word of God? Because I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So when God asks me, who do you see in the mirror? I should be seeing Jesus. Why? I died. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me and when I see Jesus I see the glory of God I'm going to be transformed into the same image what image? the image I'm seeing in his word that I'm the righteousness of God I'm truly righteous and truly holy I'm born again over 300 scriptures that says, that says what who I am in him. I'm being transformed into the same image. From glory to glory. What do you mean from glory to glory? From the glory of the Old Covenant. The ministry of death and condemnation. To the glory of the Spirit. To the glory of his ministry of righteousness. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The ministry of the Spirit, the ministry of righteousness. I, I'm changed from glory to glory, from the glory of the ministry of death and condemnation to the glory of the ministry of the Spirit, the ministry of righteousness, by the righteousness of God, by the Spirit. Because, the you know, when, when it says the ministry of righteousness and the ministry of the Spirit, and says they're synonymous. Anytime I see this, the ministry of the spirit, I'm thinking righteousness. Because it's the same thing. And that might mess with some of our religious minds. Okay? But the ministry, there's freedom. In the spirit of God, there's freedom in the ministry of righteousness. And I'm trans- being transformed. Now, this word transformed. When you study this work, it's, meta, it's metamorph- metamorpho. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. Like a t- caterpillar to a butterfly, a tadpole to a frog. I know there's more examples, but I like the butterfly approach. Okay. When we see a butterfly, we all like, we're, we're awed by the beauty the only reason we most of us like the caterpillar is because we know what it's going to be transformed into. That furry little worm, you know. But, but you see, a lot of us, we're acting like we're just worms. But when we see His glory, we're going to be transformed into this beautiful butterfly. And I'm using that as an example. Don't all go home and say, Pastor David said we're all going to be butterflies. That's not what I'm saying. I'm using an allegory. Okay. But we need to see Jesus when we look in the mirror. I'm talking about we need to be established in righteousness. We need to be established in the fact that we are a new creation. And we need to behold that. We need to put our gaze there and keep it there. We need to be established in the fact that we are truly righteous and truly holy and keep our focus there. We behold that. See with your mind. And we need to behold. We need to be so established in the ministry of righteousness that we behold his righteousness, his glory, when we look at his word the written word, the living word, the rhema word. We see his glory and we're transformed. We're transformed from let me go back here. The old man to the new man in the spirit of our mind as we behold his glory in the mirror. And this is all done by the Spirit. But I'm not done. This is verse, you know, Again, I forget where I'm going here. In my notes. I see my my notes here. But this verse is in the end of chapter three, and the very next verse is the first verse in chapter four. And let me fast forward here, in my notes, real quick. I don't know why I had that in there. We'll go back to what I just said, but we'll. We'll go a different route. Therefore, because this is true. And everything I just said, like I said, this was the middle verse. Therefore, therefore what? Because what we just read is true. true. Therefore, since we, plural, have this ministry as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. What's our ministry? Our ministry. Is the ministry of righteousness which is the ministry of the Spirit which is also called the ministry of reconciliation. What make any sense? What ministry? The ministry of righteousness. Let's just keep it simple. That's what we're talking about. Since we have this ministry of righteousness, this ministry of reconciliation, the ministry we have As we have received mercy, we didn't deserve it. We don't lose our heart. But we, having renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Okay? Verse (coughs) 3. I have these five out of order. But even if our gospel is veiled, It was vowed because we were reading the law. It is vowed to those who are perishing. Whose mind's the God of this age. Now, every time I read this, sometimes people think, you're saying God has blinded our minds? No, the God of this age. Little G. Who's the God of this age? Satan. The devil. Whose mind the devil has blinded. How did he blind him? He blinded them, going back here. He blinded them through the preaching on the Old Testament, the law. That's how He blinded them. That's how He, there was a veil. Unless we remove that veil, unless we preach the gospel, it is veiled to the law. So they're perishing. People are perishing, not just from receiving salvation for forgiveness, people are. Perishing with sicknesses, with lack, with all kinds of different things. People are perishing because they have not had the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation, preached unto them. They haven't put off the old man, put on the new man. They haven't been skilled in the word of righteousness. They haven't put on the new man. They haven't come to the justification. Uh, the, the judgment in their mind that they are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That God has reconciled them him, to himself. He's not imputing their sins to them, but he has given us his righteousness. Even if our gospel fills the fields of those who are perishing, whose mind the God has taken point mind, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image gospel The gospel is a who? I feel like every time I say that, I feel like I'm talking like Dr. Seuss. The gospel is a who? Who is the image How do you unblind the mind? How do you remove the veil? You read the gospel, and the veil is uplifted. Until we preach the gospel, people's minds are blinded. Why? Because there's a battle. <coughs> Satan doesn't mind if you preach the Old Testament. I will preach the Old Testament, but I will preach the Old Testament through Christ revealed, not Christ concealed. There's a because we already read all scripture is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for training in righteousness and specifically when he read that the only, the only Bible they had at the time was the Old Testament okay. so I'm not mocking the Old Testament when we do away with it but I am talking about preaching Christ and I can preach Christ and not the Old Testament it just concealed; it's a mystery but it's revealed in the New Testament. Christ gave us the hope of soul, glory. Okay. Um, so. People are perishing. And Satan has orchestrated that. To the blind their minds. Who do not believe less than light of the gospel. How beautiful upon the mountains of the view. Him who brings good news. Who proclaims peace. Who proclaims salvation. Declares as I am your God when we preach that gospel men they are set free. And the gospel is not an it. The gospel is not ink. The gospel is a who. It goes on to say, for we do not preach ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves as your bond for Jesus sake, for it is a God who commanded light to shine out of What's light? What light? The light of the gospel. You know, the very first thing God did, Genesis chapter 1, was said, let there be light. That is all an allegory of what Christ did to the gospel. Even John chapter 1 I talked about him, and him was a light of men. That's a deep teaching. I, I taught on it several years back. Where is the God who commanded light to shine of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ? For we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Right. I'm running, I'm out, actually out of time, and that's okay. I didn't want to speed through what I just read. So we're going to spend one more time talking about what we just read. So let me just recap just a couple things. As I, as I, because actually, you know what? Let me do something here. We might, we actually might wrap this up. Right, we're not going to do all of it. We're going to do in one little segment. Okay. So we've been talking about being established and righteous. And specifically in this segment we're going to talk about beholding the resurrected life. We talked about how the gospel is the power of God unto salvation that reveals the righteousness of God. We talked about how beautiful the mountains of who brings this good news. We talked about how righteousness is the foundation of his throne. It's the elementary teachings, it's the first principles we need to be established how all scripture is powerful for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. We need to be established in the Word of God that equips us to be established in righteousness so we can be fully complete and fully equipped for every good work. We talked about how we are to behold we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And how we ought to put off, that we are to so learn this truth that's in Jesus that we put off the old man and put on the new man. Who's created according to God and true righteousness and holiness. And we do that transformation in the spirit of our mind. And because the gospel, we receive Jesus, a bell has been looked at. And we're no longer part of the ministry of condemnation and death, but we are part of the ministry of righteousness and spirit. And as we because we have an unveiled face, we can behold as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, and we are transformed from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. Okay, So we talk about several ways how we are to just behold. We are to behold that we are a new creation. We are to behold that we are the righteousness of God. We are to behold and see with the mind. But we've also kind of talked about it, but I just want to piggyback on it one more time. We also have a new ministry. We not only just have a ministry, as we talked about here, we have the ministry, but we have a new ministry. And that new ministry is the ministry of righteousness and the ministry of the Spirit, which is also called the ministry of reconciliation, two chapters later, in chapter 5. Okay. We have a new ministry. And this new ministry is a ministry of righteousness. But because we have this new ministry, I'm not going to rehash all that again, because I've already kind of gone over this several times now. We need to be established in Righteousness. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Folks, folks and I'll, I'll we go over this last segment again next week. But we should be so established in righteousness that we are far from oppression. I'm not saying that everything's always going to be a bed of roses. No. I'm not telling you how to live an unrealistic life. I'm talking about how to live a resurrected life. That you fight from victory. You don't fight for victory. You're fighting from victory. But it's still a fight. There's still a fight involved. Okay. So we are establishing righteousness. It goes on to say verse 15. For indeed they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you shall be shall fall for your sake. Okay? And in Isaiah 54 17, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises up against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Weapons will come. Okay, I can't keep them from coming. But they ain't going to prosper in this house. I'm not just talking about this house physically, even though that can be included. I'm talking about this house that's been bought with a price. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, so are you. And no weapon for it against you shall prosper. Why? And every, every tongue that rises up against, it, against me in judgment, I should condemn. We'll come back to this later, but we have a part to play in condemning everything that's condemning us. You can condemn... You don't condemn the person, but you can condemn the message that is rising up against you in judgment. And why can we do all this? Why is all this true? Because our righteousness is from God. (coughs) It's not our righteousness, it's from God. It's a gift. Okay, we'll come back next week and we'll rehash this. Isaiah 51, 6. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look on the earth, Need for the heavens will vanish away like smoke, the earth will grow old like a garment, and those who dwell in it will die in like manner. My salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will not be abolished. We'll come back next week and we'll talk more elaborate more on this. But but we are nothing against us shall prosper because we have his righteousness. But his salvation is forever, and his righteousness cannot be abolished. It's eternal. Okay, we'll come back next week. We'll look at this verse, and and, uh, I uh, I got one more here. sorry. Uh, For the moth will eat up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool, but my righteousness will be forever, and my salvation for generation to generation. That kind of goes with verse 6 that we just read. We're also going to look at this next week. Awake to righteousness and sin not. It doesn't say sin not to become righteous. No, it says awake to righteousness and sin not. For some do not have the knowledge of God. We're going to see how that gets connected in here next week. Okay. We're also going to, based on this verse, and I'm going to end with this this morning, because it's true of this tube, Isaiah 52. There's a line Isaiah. Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion, his church, his bride, his people. Put on your garments. There's that word, put on again. Be your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. And with this, we're going to go right into talking about putting on the garbage. We're going to go into, we're going to look at the armor of God. And we're going to look at the armor of God and how it is, the armor of righteousness. And I'll, I'll take every piece of the armory next week. And we will see righteousness in every piece of the armory. We'll look at, we'll look at Scripture interpret Scripture. This is not just Pastor Dave talking. This is the Word of God talking. Okay, so I went this last part real fast because we're going to pick up here next week and finish this segment. But we're talking about being established in righteousness. I hope this is making sense because everything I'm teaching right now is the premise. It's a foundation. It's the first principles by which we teach everything that we do in this church. Okay. Amen and amen. God bless you guys.